One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. Man, it's Friday. It's right before Christmas. Who couldn't be happier right now? Um, I just finished my last business trip uh, of the year and it got some downtime uh, and couldn't be more excited. So as you guys know, as soon as I'm done with the show, it's normally time for, for my life balance uh, outside of work. But man, I am pumped today uh, for a few reasons. Uh, you know, we had a great trip uh, th- this past week, a lot of fun out there um, where I was speaking and then had an interview yesterday uh, with the Belief Hacker Nation, which was fantastic. And then all of this is leading up to, to one of my main men, man, this, this guy here, we, we talked in August of 2017 and uh, we, we've kept in touch with each other ever since and it's so excited to bring him on. I'm not going to run his full bio again because that's in the other show, but you should go listen to that August 2017 show uh, and, and uh, there'll be a little joke for those of you that have towards the end that uh, he's not even aware of, but I'm going to bring him in. His name's Alan Stein Jr. He's a corporate performance coach, world-renowned speaker, and just a good dude, man. So Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I, I look forward to going back and listening because I remember we had uh, such a fun time, but also a very meaningful and fruitful conversation. So uh, I haven't listened to that in a while. So I, I look forward to going back and listening too. Yeah. And I, I'm excited because on that show, including this one, we really don't have a plan. We, we just kind of, we get together and start talking. That's why uh, in the, in the break gang in the, in the lead up here, I was saying, man, Alan, you and I need to co-host some stuff. I, I think it would be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I so, like that. I mean, you know, considering that you and I get paid to give presentations, it's nice to have conversations uh, and we just see where this goes and we volley off of each other. And, you know, I know that we have so many similar interests and similar philosophies. So just kind of chopping it up uh, in, in more of an organic and casual style to me is, is perfect. Well, and it's, it's difficult for me because you look about 25, I'm guessing 25, 26, but I look up to you, man. You are doing a phenomenal job out there. I follow you on Twitter. I I watch what you do. Um, As a matter of fact, you have switched my morning routine and you may not even know it, but you did a a tweet. It was probably two weeks after we talked in August Uh and I'm just watching your stuff. And you said my morning routine, it was three apps. It was pep talk. It was Blinkist and it was headspace. And I jumped in and and started doing all of those and it's made a tremendous difference. So thank you for doing that. No, well, kudos to you. And and I appreciate the compliment on my youth. I'll be 43 uh, in the third week of January and uh, I'm letting my hair grow out a little bit. So you're going to start to see some grays coming in. I've, I usually have it shaved to the skin on the sides and back where most of the gray comes in, but you know, I'm just going to embrace it, try and go with like a George Clooney look for a little bit. But uh, yeah, you know, but you know, only Clooney can really pull that off, man. I just went downstairs to my wife because I've let the beard grow a little bit. <laughs> and all these are gray. And I, I can't believe I'm going gray because yeah, I'm only 19. Crazy. <laughs> yes. I tell you, that is, that is pretty amazing. Um, you know, I, I love that you brought up morning routines. You know, my morning routine has changed since that time, um, but I'm still such a big believer in morning routines and kind of having a foundation and not even just the morning routine. I'm a big believer in the bookends of the day. You know, I think how we spend the first 90 minutes when we wake up and how we spend the last 90 minutes uh, has a, a major impact and influence on all of the aspects of our life. I mean, of happiness and fulfillment, but certainly of productivity and success. So, you know, I, I love that you want to dive in a little bit to the morning routines. And, and so tell me yours, right? You said it's changed a little bit. It may be time for me to change and follow yours again. What, you know, it what, has, what well, it, what, what's changed a little bit for me. So boy, at the time of this recording, it was three, it's been about four weeks now. Uh, and I went out to Santa Monica um, there's a gentleman named Aubrey Marcus, and he co-founded and, and is the CEO of a company called Onnit, uh, which is a human optimization company. They they sell sp- supplements. They're really into fitness, and and I've been a fan of his for a long time. I, I devour his content online, and he was kind of holding this mastermind weekend, and there was about a hundred of us that went out to Santa Monica for three days, and and I picked up a few things from him. Uh, he has a tremendous book. Uh, it's called Own the Day, Own Your Life. And, and really the whole premise of the book is, you know, if you can put these building, box, building blocks in place for morning and evening routines and how you structure your day, well, that's, the, that's like the, 
the most fundamental characteristic of your life. Like that's the one rep of an entire set. So if you can master your day and you can do that consistently, then over time you will master your life. And of course, you know, I'm using the word master rather loosely because uh, because none of us are perfect. But um, I picked up a few things there that that I've integrated and have been doing since. And I, I know because I keep a calendar and I put big red X's every morning where I continue the routine. And That's I started cool. on November 12th. So I believe today is the 21st. So, um, you know, it's been well over a month now that I've stuck with this new morning routine um, that wasn't completely different from what I was doing before. Uh, I've just done what, what James Clear calls habit stacking. And I've added a couple new tweaks to it. And, you know, I think with morning routines, um, it's good to be flexible. You know, I know that I won't be on this morning routine for the rest of my life. Who knows? Maybe a few more months and I'll find something else to tweak. But the key is just doing something with intention. And, you know, and I'm happy to share what that routine is if that's of interest. Yeah. So, so before, right. So I, I, we both use Headspace. It's an yes. incredible app. People are not using Headspace. You, you, you need to check it out. Neither. I know I'm not an affiliate. You probably are by now, but um, no, I'm, the, not. I'm just teasing, no. <laughs> but a uh, great app in, in me with a high eye brain and in, in somebody who gets easily distracted, somebody who um, gets right into work generally uh, yeah. taking that few minutes and, and just kind of breathing through it. Uh, it's been a phenomenal app. Oh, um, and so then, so go ahead and talk about Headspace, but then let me know what's changed after that. Sure. You know, with Headspace to me, I mean, it's funny. So as I mentioned before we started recording, you know, it has that tracker, which will let you know how many consecutive days you've had. And as of this morning on December 21st, today was my 519th straight day using the Headspace app. Uh, and, and I don't bring that up to brag. I bring it up because even after 519 straight days, there are still mornings where I have trouble staying present for 10 minutes. That during the 10 minutes, yeah. my mind is wandering all over the place. And, and basically when the guy's, you know, his, his rhythmic voice says, you know, I'll see you again tomorrow. And I'm like, man, I wasn't even present for most of that. Uh, it, so it's a good self-regulator and it, 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 it keeps me humble to realize that no matter how far I've come, that you never master being in the present. It's something you need to continually work on. Uh, but the reason I recommend it for so many people um, is it, it conditions you to practice the skill of being present. And, and that's what it is. I know every single day I'm getting 10 minutes worth of reps of practicing the skill of being present. And I've noticed a huge difference in my relationships, whether it's with my children uh, or with colleagues, uh, that I'm much more present now than I was when I first started. And, and as I mentioned, I still have a long way to go. I'm, I'm not a Tibetan monk by any means, but I'm more present now, so it's, it's working. Yeah, and, and I love that you said present because in, in the book that I wrote, No Day But Today, and, and what I teach a lot of people, um, is, is picking the word that you want, you know, people to be able to say about you when you're gone and building your legacy. And, and my word is being present for my kids. Um, so I always said, you know, I, I'm always on the go. I got a lot of stuff, a lot of travel, but when I'm home, I want to be present. So I love the fact that you use that word. Awesome. Yeah. My one word would be handsome. Uh, but then you just told me, I, I don't, <laughs> e I don't even compare to George Clooney. So I don't know if that's going to work right now. Um, but now look, I already commented on your age. I just said, there's only one. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that funny. There's only one um, but, but so you know, what, what are the other apps? Then? Yeah. So, well, all right. So back to my morning routine. Well, one thing I've done, so I live up in the Washington DC area and, uh, you know, it's, it's dark when I wake up and I will say, you know, anything I'm going to share from a morning routine, I'm not telling other people that this is right or that they should do this. I just want to share kind of the structure and everybody finds what works for them. You know, I have a job where, uh, unless I have a super early flight to catch, to go speak, I don't have to set an alarm. In fact, in a 365-day cycle, I bet I only set an alarm maybe a dozen times in a full year. So I say that because I just wake up when my body naturally is ready to wake up. And that's been huge for, um, for my energy levels, for my health, for the way I'm feeling. Now, with that said, I've always been an early riser. So my, my body naturally wakes up anywhere between 5.45 in the morning and say 7.15. Even 7.15 feels like sleeping in. 
Um, but I don't push it. And I just, when I wake up, I wake up and I'm ready to go. So uh, with that, that already might sound like it's inconsistent for someone that's trying to start a morning routine, uh, but it works for me. I know other people might have to be at their job and in their, their, at their chair at their desk at 8 a.m., which means you might have to set an alarm at 6 a.m. in order to get in your morning routine before you go. So, uh, and, and one other point to that, and, and I read a fascinating article and I just posted it on social was, I think a lot of people always act like that high performers are these early birds and that if you want to crush it in life, you should get up at four in the morning before even the birds get up and you put, that doesn't work for everybody. You know, people have to find a time that works for them. You know, I know for, you know, I happen to be a, a morning bird and like the early morning hours, uh, but I have friends that would much rather do their routine, you know, at midnight and because they don't go to bed till two in the morning. So uh, I think it's just a matter of blocking off some time where you can be consistent. So, so uh, was the article about chronotypes? It, well, you was know, it, the article was basically just saying, and it, it had the, the picture of an alarm clock with 4 a.m. on it, and it basically just said, you don't have to get up at 4 a.m. to be a high achiever and a high performer. Some people do, and they love it, but it's not a requirement. And, and often, I think, especially on social media, it, people tend to think like that's what you're supposed to do. And yeah. with most things, I don't necessarily think there's a supposed to do anything. I think it, each person needs to have the awareness to know themselves. Um, but, you know, in order for me to naturally wake up and feel rested at 5.45 or 7.15, I'm putting myself to bed at, you know, 9.45, 10 o'clock, 10.15. You know, occasionally might stay up a little bit later, but, you know, I go to bed fairly early. Um, and that's why I'm able to get in my seven and a half, eight hours every night. And for me, you know, that's a non-negotiable. Uh, yes, there's some times where I take red-eye flights back and there's some times where I have a, a 7.30 a.m. flight, so I do have to set an alarm to make sure that I'm awake and out the door at a certain time, uh, but those are so few and far between um, that I can be pretty consistent in getting my sleep because uh, sleep is not a sign of laziness and it's not a sign that you don't want to be a high achiever or a high performer. Uh, sleep is required for vitality, for health, for longevity, uh, and, and I think anyone that brags about how little sleep they get is is misguided or foolish. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the audience that, that listens to this show, we just did this probably about four weeks ago, but we were covering Dan Pink's latest talk that he did. Yes, at, when? Um, the yeah, book when? He, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so he was at um, the uh, Live to Lead with John Maxwell. Yeah. And started talking about chronotypes, how you find yours, but also how you peak trough and, and recover. Yep. But based on your chronotype, uh, the type of work. So we're intentional about everything except when we do yeah. things, right? Well, in, in our calendar. I was just going to say, it's sitting here right on my desk. Yeah, there you go. There's it's a fantastic book, right book. Absolutely love this book. Recommend it to everyone. And, and you know, what's funny was, I mean, because I got to see him speak locally here in the D.C. area. And um, he was talking about the book before I had read it. But it was amazing because most of the stuff he was sharing was stuff that through just, you know, experimentation, I'd already figured out about myself. Like yeah. I already know that between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. is when I'm at my best yeah. uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. It's when I have my highest energy. It's when I do my best problem solving and my creative work. Uh, and because I'm a, a solopreneur and I have control over my schedule for the most part, um, you know, I'm able to do most of my creative work and get in my workout and all of that in the morning. So right. my goal is, I mean, you know, before lunchtime and, and one other thing we can talk about is some changes I've made to my diet, but I mean, I do most of that work in the morning. So my afternoons and evenings are usually lighter because I've done so much, you know, in that prime time because I'm able to be so much more efficient. I mean, I get from six in the morning till 10 in the morning, I can get in a full day's work uh, from an output standpoint. Whereas if I waited to do that from, you know, noon to six, I wouldn't get a fraction of the work done. I completely, and I'm exactly the same way. We've got to take a break here. Uh, we're going to come right back with Alan Stein Jr. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, 
train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes. R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to this edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're talking to Alan Stein Jr., who spent 15-plus years working with the highest-performing basketball players on the planet. We delved into that quite a bit in our first episode together. So, again, I, I say that so that uh, people will go listen to that August episode with you. Uh, but we were talking morning routines, and that kind of dovetails into a lot of the stuff that, that you've talked about you know, for a long time, about what you know, doing the little things every day doing the little things and doing it right every day, which you learn from, from some of the best in the business. So um, let's, let's dive back in. So we, we got headspace down. We know that piece. Yep. Um, what, what's next in your morning routine? You know, and the other reason the morning routine is so important in general is because it lays the foundation. And, you know, it's a nice parlay from my previous work as a basketball performance coach, because I would always warm our players up before practice and before the game. And, you know, that 10 to 12 minute block would mentally, emotionally, and physically get them prepared to compete at the highest level. And that's really how I view my morning routine. It's kind of my warm up for the day. Uh, so uh, as I started to say before, and then I got sidetracked, which I am known to do, uh, because it's kind of dark in the mornings when I get up, um, I went to uh, Bed Bath & Beyond and I got, um, it's basically like a sunlight simulator. It's this little rectangular uh, light, but it's the equivalent. It's not like a tanning bed light, but it, it produces the same uh, light as the sun. And I turn that thing on right in the morning before even the sun comes up. And it, it helps wake me up. It helps improve mood. Like, you know, all of the benefits of being out in the sun, and I'm not talking about like vitamin D per se, but I'm just talking about, um, you know, uh, your circadian rhythm and waking yourself up. So I put that light on. And the very first thing I do now, um, I drink eight to 10 ounces of water. And then I do these breathing exercises, which only take seven minutes tops. Um, but it's, Basically, I'm just kind of, and I know this is going to sound foolish, and my kids make fun of me because they've watched me do this a few times. I'm basically kind of bouncing around almost as if I was a boxer, like almost picture somebody jump roping, but with no jump rope, um, just enough to kind of elevate my heart rate. And you spend the first minute and you breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. And then the next minute you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then for the third minute, you breathe in through your mouth and out for your mouth. And while you're jumping around and your heart rate's getting accelerated and your breathing starts to pick up, uh, and then you take a minute off and then you do the same thing in reverse. So that you go mouth, mouth, 
nose mouth, nose nose. Um, so, I mean, it's six minutes of movement uh, for me because I sweat no matter what. I get a little sweat going, starting to have some labored breathing, uh, but really connects me to my breath. Uh, and that literally takes seven minutes. And then I spend 13 minutes because I've got the clock running, 13 minutes, and I do some yoga poses or yoga postures. Um, nothing too strenuous, you know, a couple of down dogs and a couple of warrior ones, um, just to kind of, again, connect myself uh, to my body. Uh, and I'm very, you know, there's no music, there's nothing playing during this. And, and I actually like the quiet. I need the quiet because there's so much stimulation throughout the rest of the day. Uh, so it's seven minutes of breathing, 13 minutes of stretches. Then I do the 10 minute meditation with the Headspace app. And that takes me up to the 30 minute mark. Uh, and then as soon as I'm done that, uh, I take a, a cold shower. And I know that sounds psychotic for about three or four minutes. Um, and it's just to, to wake me up. Um, if folks Google and do some research on cold showers um, and cryotherapy type stuff, you'll see some of the benefits. Um, but one of the major ones um, is, again, it, it reduces anxiety and depression and, and kind of wakes you up. And it's this vibrant feel. Uh, and I've been doing that for, for well over a month now um, in full transparency. I still hate the shower every time I'm in it. It sucks. I don't enjoy it at all. But I love how I feel the moment I turn the water off and I'm done. It's like, you know, one, I did something that sucked in the first few minutes of my day, which I think is a great way to set the tone for the rest of the day. And I do. I feel alive and vibrant. Uh, so that is about a 40-minute routine from the moment I get up to the moment I'm dressed for the day. And that's how I start every day now. And I'm super consistent. I've been doing it in hotel rooms when I travel. Uh, I do it at home, obviously. Uh, and it's, it's fantastic. And that first 40 minutes primes me for whatever else I've got going on. Uh, now, two to three days a week, I'll get in my own workout or I'll take a Bikram yoga class. Um, so usually I'll do that morning routine and then go straight into a workout. And then once I'm done that, then the rest of the day I can, I can focus on my work work or focus on my children or whatever's on tap for the day. But, but I found that routine uh, is great. And you'll notice that I didn't throw eating in. Uh, that's also because I've been toying with intermittent fasting. And yeah. I usually don't eat my first meal of the day till around noon or one. Uh, and then I usually stop eating by seven or eight. So I only eat in that small window. And that was really challenging at first. Uh, because I've always been a huge breakfast guy. Um, and, you know, I was conditioning. I mean, there, there were usually times where I was eating at six or seven in the morning and then eating again at 10 or 11. You know, so in some cases, I've shaved off two meals to what I was used to doing. Uh, but now my body's fully connected to it. And, you know, I don't even really get hungry till about noon. But, but that's been my morning routine. And, and I've, I've loved how I feel. I've never felt better in my life. Um, so I'm going to stick with that for a while. Yeah. And it's much different from my routine. So I get up, um, kick the dogs. No, I'm just teasing. So, um, yeah, no, it, but, but it, it does make a big difference. And the, the biggest difference with me was the meditation in, in, I connected that back to sports. As you said, I had a, a, a volleyball coach, um, in high school and she was very, very connected spiritually to, to everything. Right. Um, and right before a big match, she'd make us all lay down, and she would walk us through a 10 to 12 minute meditation. And you would, I mean, I would be almost asleep and then she'd snap her fingers. We'd pop up. And I mean, we were raring to go. I, I mean, just it. fired up. Uh, so I, I've seen the benefits, but it was weird because um, a lot of people say they don't have time to do that. Like, oh, that sounds great. I don't have time, but it, it's an intentional time. You have to make time. And it's amazing how much time we actually waste. Um, you know, throughout the day, people say, and I'm sure you get it too. Of how do you do all the things you're doing? You're writing a book, you're speaking, you've got your, your own business. And they go, how do you have that time, Alan? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny. It reminds me. And, and, and I believe at least as the, the fable goes, I think it was Gandhi, but it was something to the effect of, you know, this guy goes to, to Gandhi and was telling him everything he has going on in his life. And Gandhi says, you know, you need to take 10 minutes a day and meditate. And the guy's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have 10 minutes. And then Gandhi said, oh, okay, you need to take 20 minutes a day and meditate. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the more you think you don't have time, the more you actually need this. And, you know, it's not, it's not time that we lack. We're all given the same 24-hour block. It's, it's that intention and that purpose of where we want to direct our time. And, you know, uh, again, it's easy to make snips. And th I'm, this is not coming from a place of judgment. 
But more times than not, the person that says they don't have time for 10 minutes of meditation definitely spends more than 10 minutes on social media, definitely spends more than 10 minutes uh, watching Netflix, you know, definitely spends more than 10 minutes uh, on a variety of things that could be cut back to make the time if they felt that it was important. So um, what I would rather people say is to be honest and just say, I don't want to do that. Or to be honest, I would rather watch Netflix than meditate and at least own yeah. it. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Again, that's not for me to decide whether that's good or bad or right or wrong. But let's be honest. Uh, every person can make 10 minutes for something that they believe is truly important. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and not only that, I asked them to switch the I don't have time with it's not a priority to me. Yes, I and, love and that. When you really, yeah, when you start saying, yeah, I don't have time to play with you, son. And then you have to say, like, it's not a priority for me to play yeah. with you. Boy, that changes the whole context oh, of what it is well, that you're trying to do. We'll change it in a moment. Absolutely. And the other thing too, I mean, you know, uh, it, more is not always better. Hey, right. can, can you make time for five minutes of meditation? I mean, five minutes is better than zero. So don't, don't use the excuse that you don't have, or at least don't think you have 10 minutes because people do the same thing with exercise. They believe that you have to exercise an hour a day, six days a week to get a result. So they don't even try. Hey, if you just did something for 10 minutes a day, most days of the week, if you were completely sedentary before that, you would start to notice a difference. Now, clearly if your goal is to be an Olympian, that's probably not going to be enough for you to, to, to train properly, but you know, for most people, I mean, even for me, I'm very active and, and I have a fairly routine workout schedule, but just adding this new 20 minutes in the morning of seven minutes of bouncing around and breathing and 13 minutes of yoga poses. I mean, that's 20 minutes a day extra that I wasn't doing before. And it's not hard or strenuous, but my body feels a thousand times better. Uh, kind of the, the aches and pains and cricks and creaks of almost turning 43 uh, have been lessened. And the big thing that I've noticed I'm sleeping so much better now. Um, and, and, and that's not just from things I do in the evening. I think it's, it's a, you know, a, a cumulative effect of everything I do from the moment I wake up. Yeah, I think reduction of stress for sure. So yes. we're going to continue this discussion, but we've got to take another break right here and pay some bills. We'll be right back with Alan Stein Jr. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for our third segment here of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, talking to Alan Stein, Jr., uh, who's got a new book coming out that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I already mentioned I follow you on Twitter, and uh, I think you do an amazing job. There's a lot of great stuff that you put out. Uh, recently, though, you, you put something out around Urban Meyer that kind of had some mixed reactions, though, but I think it's worth talking about. Um, wh- why don't you get into first, you know, what it was that, that, that you said, and then we can, we can dive into it from there. Sure. Uh, I saw that it came across the ticker on ESPN on my ESPN app on the phone uh, that said uh, the Ohio State University Business School, um, now that Urban Meyer has decided to retire from coaching football, that they were hiring him basically as a professor to teach a leadership course at Ohio State. And and I did have mixed feelings about it. Uh, On one hand, I was thrilled to see uh, higher education understanding the importance of leadership and realizing that it needs to be formally taught just like we teach English, just like we teach math, just like we teach history, that it's that important. So I love the fact that Ohio State uh, wants to create a leadership class in their business school. But I have mixed feelings about Urban Meyer being the one that does that. And and let me first say, I have never met Coach Meyer. Uh, it, I'm not in any position to judge him. Uh, I don't know if the stuff people said he did, he did. But to me, that part's irrelevant. Um, Because he was such a national figure as a coach, it's been clear that there have been some discretions, most of which have to do with character, you know, over this past year. And and I just believe that that character is such a foundation of leadership that anyone that's that's kind of been discredited publicly uh, for their character is probably not the best person to teach leadership. And again, this has nothing to do with whether what people said he did, he did or not. It's just the fact that I think that sends the wrong message to the students at Ohio State that that someone that at least has perceived lack of character is going to be teaching a leadership class, you know, which which should be hand in hand with ethics. So I have mixed feelings on that. And and he's a brilliant football coach. And I know that he knows leadership. I mean, he, when we talk about the, the the programs that he's led and the teams he's led, He knows leadership. I mean, I think he'd be incredibly qualified to teach it based on what he knows and his experience. I just have a problem with them saying that that it's okay to have had those indiscretions and now allow him to teach it. So that was where I got kind of a mixed review. And and of course, as you can appreciate, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes if the mixed review is based on the substance or based on the fact that some people hate Ohio State. Like if you're a Michigan grad and other people love Ohio State. So you've got people that think Urban Meyer can do no wrong. And then you've got other people that think, you know, he's the next carnation of the devil. And that, you know, so sometimes I think people's judgment can be clouded. I have no dog in the race. um, So I, I would love to hear your perspective on that. Well, first of all, our, we, we know our friend Coach Beckler, he, what he feels about Urban being a Michigan guy, but um, yes. <laughs> we've had that conversation before. Uh, the, the quote that, that's coming to mind in, in this, and, and you actually said the word ethics, and uh, I got to watch John Maxwell uh, one time talking about when he was asked to write a book right around the Enron scandals and all that stuff, they, they, his publisher flew him out and said, we want you to write a book on business ethics. And to make a long story short, he said, I'm sorry, I can't. And they said, why? It would be a bestseller. You'd be awesome. You're the guy to teach ethics. And he goes, because there's no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics. You either have them or you don't. You don't turn them on in the office and turn them (laughs) off at home or vice versa, right? And that has stuck with me ever since I heard it, like John can, right? John says something, you never forget it. But um, that, that's what, what I was kind of thinking in that is, is it's the ethics of it and the reward of it. Um, So I'm on more on your side that, that character means everything when we talk about leadership and the fact that most companies fail because of lack of character in leadership. um, I I think they go hand in hand. Well, well, let me say too, and and I'm not, and I I may not have, have said it as articulately as I should have, I'm not saying that Urban Meyer is of low character. No, I mean, not he, at all. He's made some mistakes. I'm saying that the perception is publicly that 
many of the his his issues over the past year were character related. So I just don't think it's wise to hire someone that's that's made those that's that's had those mistakes. I mean, clearly, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, and, and some of which have been character related. But I'm it mine stuff's not on ESPN the ways that his is. So every student that goes in there to take that class is aware of who he is and at least aware of either what he did or what people said he did. And yet they're there to learn from him, you know, and I have the same feelings about Rick Pitino, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. Rick Pitino's book success is a choice is one of the most influential books I've ever read. Uh, I think he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of basketball coaches, uh, you know, uh, uh, of my age, but given everything that he's gone through, I mean, you're talking about a man that's had three or four major indiscretions. Uh, I would not support Rick Pitino teaching a character class either. And in fact, if he writes another book, unless the book is, here are the mistakes I made and here's what I should have done. I'm not going to read it because I'm not going to read a self-help book from someone that's had, you know, those character flaws. And, and I just can't stress enough that this is not coming from judgment. I'm not saying either one of them are bad men. I'm not saying either one of them have low character. I'm just saying that if that's the perception, they shouldn't be teaching leadership. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things uh, I want to dovetail a little bit on is you were talking about, you know, it's great that they're teaching leadership. Um, yes. And one of the the big things that has just been brought out is um, uh, what we call I choose, and you can find out uh, about that through the John Maxwell Company. But it is uh, based on the work that we've done in Paraguay and Guatemala and Costa Rica. But we're now uh, have a program that we're taking to the sixth and seventh grade level because we feel that that's really where it needs to to, to start this this journey. But it's teaching them the values, the, the universal laws and values and trying to get that back into the schools. And it, it just it. got adopted by U.S. Department of Labor or uh, Education. And um, so we're super excited about that. So the John Maxwell team is, is now bringing that into the school system. Well, you know, and, and I've always been a huge John C. Maxwell fan. And, and I mean, just the the amount of content that he's put out. Uh, and And I mean, it'd be hard to argue most of the tenets of leadership that he's put out, but I would even love to have a discussion with him about the fact that leadership, I mean, it's it's kind of an art and a science because it's not necessarily factually based. Right. You know, uh, two plus two equals four, no matter what. It doesn't matter if you have character or don't have character. Two plus two equals four. You know, in order to make water, you have two, two molecules of hydrogen and one of oxygen. That's what water is. Same thing with gravity. You know, same thing with history. Uh, this war happened on this date. It's factual. But with leadership, it's different. It's not as black and white. Now, I do think uh, if you put some of the best leaders in a room together, that they would come up with a, a pretty robust list of the characteristics that the best leaders have, you know, empathy and vision. And, you know, so there's no question, but, but one can't actually prove those. I mean, you can't say unequivocally that to be a leader, you have to have this trait. I would say more times than not, it's probably true that it, ha but it's so that to me, that's, what's different. You know, if urban Meyer was going to go teach a chemistry class at Ohio state, that would be fine because his indiscretions from his football coaching days have nothing to do with, with molecules and with chemistry and so forth. But with leadership, it's completely different. But I know that was a little bit of a tangent, but I love the fact that you just mentioned that it's now starting to be taught uh, at younger ages. In fact, I've had several high schools reach out to me about my book saying that they want to incorporate it into the leadership classes that they teach. And I was tickled to death, not that they wanted my book. I was tickled to death that leadership is now being taught at the high school level formally. I think that's that's a major step in the right direction. Yeah. And so your, your comment about uh, leadership being not really factual actually dovetails into you know the two stories that, that John has just told. One was um, he wrote Developing the Leader Within You, which was one of the, the best books. It was the first time really any book ever discussed about developing your leadership, right? Up yeah. until then, it was all about managing. Uh -huh. uh, he was asked to uh, just update 15% of it and, and release it again because it had been 10 years or 15 years since the book came out. Uh, and he revised 80% of it. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, they called it the Developing the Leader Within You 2.0 because he's changed so much and what he even wrote in that book, he disagreed with now. And that's how much leadership changes. Yes. And his next book is actually called Leader Shifts. So it's, it's about the 11 shifts to stay relevant as a leader. So you're, you're dead on on that comment. 
Yeah, which means, and that would be fascinating, which would mean whatever curriculum someone's teaching today, uh, hopefully they're adaptive and reflexive and will make the tweaks needed in the future. You know, I, I still think, though, I mean, the, the major core principles probably haven't changed in decades and probably won't change again. But as the world changes, as technology changes, as all of these different things shift, we have to be, as leaders, that's one of the most important factors is we have to be able to be reflexive and adaptive to be able to change that. So, you know, I love the fact that, that John C. Maxwell has been putting out amazing content, you know, for as long as I've been breathing, and yet he still is continuing to, to shift and to learn and to grow and that nothing just stays still. That's, that's remarkable. And the sign well, of a great leader, obviously. Yeah. And it, I think the biggest thing in leadership lately too is is motivating factors have changed and and how people receive those motivating factors so you know early on in my career when you got a job you got a job you did what your manager said that was it right and if you didn't you didn't have a job it was pretty simple and 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 a lot of people complain about millennials i love working with them because they're always questioning why and what the value is and and wanting that coaching And, and to me that's not a negative thing that's that's just simply validating that what we're doing is a proper thing but the motivating factors of how you motivate the younger generation is so different than even our generation or the generation before us. Absolutely. And that's something that happens all of the time is we're getting people that say, you know, we need more leaders. We need better leaders. And yet the problem is we don't ever teach people formally how to be leaders. You know, even in the sports world, you know, coaches, I know, model it, model it. And, uh, and they say, okay, you know, Rick, you're going to be our team captain, but they don't really show you what you need to do to actually be the team captain, to actually have a role of leadership. So uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad that these schools are, are stepping in and doing this. And, and I think if it could trickle all the way down to the middle school level, uh, that would be even better. Yep, that's, that's where we're trying to start. So we're going to take our final break right here. We're going to be back with Alan Stein Jr. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, On time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance. And we're back for our final segment of the work-life balance. You know, I get a lot of emails and, and tweets about what the music is that, that uh, the, the song leads in. And that's actually music that we own. It's by a group called The Party, the song called The Switch. I like it. And uh, happy to, to be reuniting with them uh, in May uh, as we host the Mickey Mouse Club reunion, uh, 30th anniversary of, of that show airing that's going to be in Orlando in May. You can go to MickeyMouseClubReunion.com to get your tickets, but it's going to be an incredible event. Got Joey Fatone hosting it. We've got uh, a ton of the Mouseketeers coming back, and and now Disney's getting involved. So it'll be awesome. interesting to see what those changes are. Uh, coming back to you, Alan. So, Alan, you got a new book that's dropping January eighth. Tell, tell the audience about that. Yeah, it's called Raise Your Game: uh, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, and and really takes uh, so many of the stories and lessons that I learned from basketball and shows folks how to apply them to their life and to business. Um, and uh, the book's broken up into three different sections. There's a, a section for what we would consider the player, uh, but certainly as we translate that to the business, that would be the employee. Uh, then we have a section for the coach. Uh, of course, if we translate that to business, that would be, say, the CEO or an executive. Uh, and then we have the team uh, or in business, it would be the organization or the business itself. And, and really the traits that, that I believe are most important to either one of, you know, any one of those different domains. Uh, but the part that's so important to realize is, even if you're the employee at a business, I don't want you to feel that you're not going to benefit from the other two sections because I found that in our lives, we kind of ebb and flow and move in and out of different roles. So you might be uh, the employee at work, but then you come home and you're kind of the CEO of your family. And, you know, whether you're trying to, you know, you're considering your family a, a team with only three or four people, or you've got a team of 4,000 at your business, uh, those fundamental characteristics really don't change a whole lot. So uh, the book was really designed that whether you're in sport or you're in business, uh, you'll take things to apply to your work and of course to your your personal life because we want to make sure we're incredibly well-rounded. So uh, I'm really excited about the book and uh, yeah, hope, you're, hope your listeners uh, enjoy it if they choose to make that purchase. Yeah. And you can go to raiseyourgamebook.com. So that's raiseyourgamebook.com and get your, your pre-order, man. Get it on now. Go ahead and give it out as gifts. Give it to uh, friends, coworkers, maybe the boss that needs some leadership <laughs> training. You know, maybe we'll send it anom- anonymously to them. But you know, uh, but yeah, get out there, get that book. You can pre-order it now. It tells you all about uh, the the book itself, the background uh, lessons. You know, street teams, the whole nine yards. So absolutely, uh, really proud of you, partner. Really Thank proud you. of you. So excited for this book to come out. Um, of course, you know, our 20 autographed copies are already shipping. That's, that's what I was told, but absolutely. I got no, you. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> cause I, I, I promise you this, I, I get it all the time going, can I get an autographed book from your guests? So, um, so, sure. uh, how do people get in touch with you? As you just mentioned for the book, raiseyourgamebook.com, and then anything on me and my speaking and social handles and all that, you can just go to allensteinjr.com. Dot com, uh, and I'm at Alan Stein Jr. Uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and so forth. And, and love engaging. So if anyone was listening to this uh, and you want to talk morning routines or uh, you either want to praise or bash me for my stance on Urban Meyer, uh, please reach out. <laughs> I love having dialogue. And, and I'm never, I never am worried about opposing views or different views. I, I think there's room for all of us to have free thoughts and a very professional and respectful and healthy debate. Uh, so I certainly welcome anything anyone wants to share. Yeah, I love sidetrack for a second. I love the disagreement in in sense of of conversation. Uh, I was telling somebody again politically it doesn't matter, but one of the best people I I always loved getting my news from was John Stewart, and that yeah. was because he would present both sides of the argument, and it yeah. wasn't talking points. I'd learn, and I'd go, okay, well, I still don't agree with that, but now I see where you're coming from, or something yes. of that sort. Right? I love healthy debate. Yes. And, and it can always be done in a respectful and professional manner. Uh, yeah, there'll be some times where you have to, I know it's a bit cliche, but agree to disagree. Um, but as long as it's handled the right way, yeah, it's, it's, it's healthy for all of us. Yeah, I feel like some of my best learnings come from that, from somebody kind of opening my eyes. And, and uh, when, when I meet new people, I love kind of probing in and really understanding 
you know, where they're coming from and, and what their, their strong beliefs are, what their certainties are, right, is, is really the key. Um, so I asked a question. So this is the joke for anybody who's listened to the August uh, episode. It's August 2017. And if you haven't, you can go back and listen to this. But we're going to do a little compare and contrast here at the <laughs> end. But uh, I ask every one of my guests on the show, uh, Alan, what is some of the best advice they've ever received? Well, it's funny. I am on the hot seat because for the life of me, I don't remember what I said back then. <laughs> I, I know that whatever I said, uh, it was definitely true at the time. Um, but you know, the one that pops into me now, uh, and, and, and this is advice that I give my kids all of the time. I mean, I, at present, I have eight-year-old twin sons and a six-year-old daughter. Um, wow. And it was given to me at a young age, which is find what you love to do and find what you're really good at and then find where those two points intersect and that's kind of your sweet spot. That's your strength zone. That's where you should be spending most of your time and putting most of your energy. And if you're fortunate enough, that's where you'll end up making your living um, is with what you love and what you're good at because you need both. It's not, yeah. it's not enough just to have passion. Uh, sometimes I think people say that, that passion is enough and it's not. Yeah. You have to be good at whatever it is you're doing if you want to, you know, to, to do it at a high level. Um, so to me, that's advice that I give my kids all the time because I'm very thankful that someone gave that to me. Yeah, and it's been said that the uh, two greatest days in your life is the day you were born and the day you find out why, right? Yes. So that's, that's I, I love that. So any final uh, messages for the audience before we uh, shut her down for this Friday? No, man, it was it was great to connect. You can go ahead and pencil me in for another 16 months from now. I'll come back in and be a three-peat guest. Uh, Better not be, be 16 months. In between. No, I know. It, but, you know, it, it shows you how quick time goes by. Yeah. Uh, because I did not think it was that long ago because um, I remember our conversation vividly. I mean, I don't remember the advice I gave at the end of it, but I remember <laughs> it vividly. And it's amazing that, that 16 months can go by that that fast. So uh, I really appreciate all of your support. I love interacting with you and all of the great stuff you're doing. Uh, so this has always been a real pleasure, man. Thank you. So so let's pencil it in for six months. What do you say? Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Anytime you'll have me, I'll be on. This is great. You got Especially it, Especially now you're stepping up the technology and everyone gets to see my handsome face while they listen to my smooth, sexy, buttery voice. This is, <laughs> a, this is a win-win for everybody. You got all your cool pictures back there, right? Yeah, man. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you. We love you. We are certainly supporting you. We'll announce the book a couple of more times uh, on the shows prior and, and, and after the release. But uh, nothing but good luck to you, brother. And, and we appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks. And for the rest of you, I am going to take next week off. That is that work-life balance that we're talking about. I mean, I am shutting it down for the year, gang. But uh, we'll be back uh, first week of January. We've got a great guest lined up for you there. Um, as always, just please have a, a safe and happy holiday. We love you guys. We, we thank you for the support of the show. It continues to grow. I'm, I'm just, I'm so humbled by that, um, that uh, you care what some fat boy from Alabama brings to the table from time to time. But uh, I do love you guys, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Until then, we hope that you live your best work and your best life. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.